Hi, this is Ned Siegfried from Siegfried & Jensen. As proud sponsors of BeliefCast, we hope you are inspired by Todd's weekly podcasts, which contain so many courageous stories of recovery and personal growth. Remember, it's not what happened in the past that matters, it's what happens in the future. We invite you all to work hard and be optimistic about your future. Enjoy today's podcast. We are back. This is Todd Sylvester with the Todd Inspires Belief Cast. Thank you for tuning in. And as always, and I know you probably get sick of me saying this, thanks for believing in me and supporting this great cause. It means the world to me. I'd like to give a shout out to my sponsors, uh, Mori Nutrition. They have a drink called Calm. It's for people who struggle with anxiety. They're the official drink of the Belief Cast, which is really cool. Um, Wasatch Recovery, Siegfried and Jensen, and Thread Wallets. And then the music you heard at the beginning at the end of this podcast is by my good friend Paul Cardall. He's an award-winning pianist. He's got an amazing story himself. He's been on a few times, as you guys know. Amazing person. Thank you for letting us use your beautiful music, Paul. You are the best. And um, today, we have an awesome guest today, Taylor Nipirsky. Did I say it right? Perfectly. Wow, I did Yeah, nailed it. First time. Uh, Taylor and I uh, got connected on LinkedIn through some mutual friends and uh, mutual contacts. And um, I really do, I can already tell before you even got here, you're a very energetic person. Is that fair that's, to say that? That's fair. I have to keep up with my wife, who is the most energetic <laughs> yeah. person. So. And, and I think it started with the picture you sent me. He sends yeah, me this picture a- that we're going to use, and it's actually up here in the studio. And he's got a, a, a really beautiful, thick mustache on there. Yeah. Yeah. It's, <laughs> it, it leaves uh, not a lot to the imagination. It's, yeah. it's, pretty, it's pretty bad. Yeah. And I actually cut it off uh, yeah. not long ago. I, I, I grow it out randomly, yeah. just at random just times. To- and. I love it. Yeah, it's it is what it looks like. It's yeah. not not. No, not it looks good. You look great. No, it looks great. But yeah, I um, little background on you. Um, you've been through some things in your life. A house fire. Um, your wife had a diagnosis of a PTSD. The yeah. unexpected death of your mom. Um, you almost lost your son. Um, but through these things, you've learned a lot of great lessons, and we're going to get into those things. Yeah. But I want people to get to know you even from when you were younger. Yeah. So okay. let's start there. Let's. Where did you grow up? And tell us a little bit about your family. Yeah, happy to. And and I I mean I had I I I can't lie about it. I had the most wonderful childhood. Mm. Uh, we grew up in Orem. Uh, I was the youngest of eight kids. Uh, I had two hardworking parents. Youngest of eight. Youngest did you guys hear that? I did, it took me a second for that to compute. Youngest of eight. Yeah, yeah. My, Dang. I have a brother that's just goodness gracious. He's he's eight or nine years older than me. He just had his twelfth. <laughs> so it, he's continuing on the legacy, wow. keeping keeping the Napierski name alive. Boy, I'll say. Uh, and and you know we had we had I think about this often with my own kids. We had the childhood that every parent today dreams their kids would have. Uh-huh. Uh, we were. We didn't have a lot of means. We we really struggled as a family to make ends meet. Uh, everybody chipped in. We we mowed lawns and picked up garbage at, at <laughs> hospitals. Yeah. And we had uh, my parents through their work had connections to doctors that uh, would allow us to come over and do their yard work and pick up garbage at their house. And uh, and we learned a lot of lessons through that. All of us worked hard to to, to try and contribute. But you know we spent our days playing and we we lived in a cul-de-sac that was. Uh, surrounded by amazing people. Nice. Great kids. You know, technology wasn't a big thing back then. I think my aunt bought us a a Nintendo 64 back for a holiday. <laughs> she was a little bit better off than yeah. we were, and she yeah. bought us a 64, and that was fun. But we were outside, and we, we just grew up just playing. Seems like kids aren't as outside as much because of social media or video games yeah. or what have you. Yeah. I also right? think that I also think that there's a problem with the adults, right? Sure. I mean, that's what I've, I've realized yeah, today for is... Sure. I was telling my kids we drove down to Orem where we grew up and uh, we drove to both sides of the block and I was showing them. I said, we used to dress in camouflage and we would play a game where we had to cross the whole block in people's backyards without getting caught. And when you got caught, you know, somebody would holler at you and you'd get in trouble yeah, and yeah. then you went on your way. And I think as adults and parents and, you know, communities now, we're so nervous about letting kids be kids. Yeah. And so... They miss so a lot true. of those opportunities, and it's yeah. just easier to put them on technology. And yeah. that, uh, I sure. think, it's more of a, a parent issue. That's what I've learned, at least through my own experiences. It's it's much more convenient to let my kids just get on devices, uh, and and that's I think hurting them in the long run, right? But 
but it uh, is convenient for sure. So youngest of eight, how, talk about that. Like, did you like being the youngest? Did, I mean, obviously you don't know any different, yeah. but how was that? To- you know, it was, it was amazing. <laughs> you know, I'm closer to certain siblings cause some were a little bit older as yeah. I was growing up. And so I didn't get to know them quite as well. Um, I, I have a couple brothers and sisters that I I'm closer to now. And I think that's always been the way, uh, you know, since we were young, yeah. um, you know, I, I had a really protect, protective older brother that was just a year older than me, and uh, that was a lot of fun. Uh, yeah. He and I had good times and very, very different. You know, he's, he's the complete opposite of me, but we have a good friendship, and he was always there to watch over me, which was great. My parents were both working, and so they were gone most of the time. My dad was always the hardest working guy I'd ever met. Yeah. Um, but he was, you know, he'd, he'd tool around in the garage and he was always trying to fix the mowers or something and yeah. the c- old cars that we had to try and keep them running. And so we just fend for ourselves. And, and uh, thankfully we had good relationships and, and great grandparents who moved out to help provide uh, some support and they were close by. And so uh, now that I have three of my own kids, I think I should have listened to my wife and had one or two more because, uh, uh, you know, the time passes quickly. It does, doesn't it? Yeah. You don't realize that, you know, you're thinking, man, we're, we're, we're at our max. Yeah. And then later on, you kind of go, well, we could maybe have had a few more. Always a little more in the tank, yeah. right? And now yeah. that they're old, my youngest is eight and a half. And I just okay. think that's a tough chapter to close and yeah. one that I struggle with a lot. Yeah. I do have to say, I have four kids, and mm-hmm. they're all out of the house now. Beautiful kids, by the way. Thank Looking you. At the picture, I appreciate so it. Thankfully, thankfully, they look like their mom. <laughs> as, they, um, as they do. But uh, this time in life, too, is also amazing because it's almost like a, it's a different connection with my kids. Yeah. yeah. And it's actually, it feels more, it's actually even deeper. They, you know, we see them every weekend still, and right. it it is as hard as you're thinking, well, oh, but... It's amazing that as time goes, you know, you'll just keep formulating the, you know, the, the and cultivating that relationship in a way that's yeah. just going to comp- enrich your life even more. So true. Uh, yeah. I had a brother of mine, I was asking him, I said, you know, have you struggled with this sort of this next chapter and letting go? Because it's something I really battle with, you know, wanting to hang on to that. And he said, you know, I stopped focusing on what I was losing and I looked at the new chapters and what I was gaining with them. And yeah. I thought, man, what a great way to look at yeah. that. He said, you know, I'm looking at college experiences and we they're going to get married and have children and all oh, of yeah. these things. And it's all a new, exciting thing, although different than it was in the past. And so, but I haven't yet internalized that all It'll the take way. take a minute. So, yeah. 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 I remember I saw on my 30, my wife surprised me on my, uh, for my 30th uh, birthday and she had made a video of, my life and, oh, you know, and, our, and, our, and our kids. I was a complete mess. But seeing my kids younger, even yeah. then, and I was crushed. I'm going, they were just, now they're not, you know, it's like, <laughs> yeah. oh. And it's almost like I had this good cry and then I'm like, okay, I'm good to go. Let's move on. Let's move yeah. on. Let's go yeah. to the next phase. But uh, yeah. yeah, so I'm sure you'll have a few of those. So um, so you grow up in that. You obviously had a great childhood. Sounds like you're very active outside. Yeah. So what kind of kid were you? Were you like a confident kid? Were you a uh, did you struggle? What were some of the things maybe you wrestled with? Yeah, that, that's a good question. I, um, I I was a floater, you know. I I made friends with everybody. Um, I I don't recall, you know, having uh, a best friend per se. I had a, a best friend when I was younger, but coming up through junior high and high school, I just sort of floated. Uh, I was lucky enough. I met my wife when she was eleven and I was twelve. We lived around really? the corner from each other. <laughs> Um, so you've known her for your whole life, a basically. long time. Yeah, yeah. I think it was what, 29 years now. And, wow. uh, which is a lot when you're 40, right? Yeah, and right. so uh, <laughs> she just turned 40 yesterday. So happy birthday. To, happy to her. birthday. Um, and so I grew up with, with various, you know, various people, lots of different friends, different groups and backgrounds. Um, you know, I, I didn't get to play sports. We, we, as a family needed to, uh, put our efforts into to providing and, and trying to make some ends meet. And, uh, and so I was, I was encouraged to go in, uh, and, and work. And so that limited yeah. where I participated at school and I didn't focus a lot on my grades, although I wasn't a terrible student. Yeah. Um, I dated my wife through part of high school and, and, uh, again, she was just an influence for good yeah. forever. And, right. Uh, even when we weren't spending a lot of time together as friends or together, she she was just a great positive influence, and I always I always wanted uh, to to be like her, although different gender, of course. But just I admired so much about sure. her, yeah. um, and that kept me generally straight. And and you know, as far as uh, what pathway I chose, and 
and so I, I just sort of floated and I tried to get things done. I was always interested in business. I, I loved how businesses operated. Uh, I love that they that that they did so much good mm. uh, in the way of providing for people and allowing yeah. people to to have families and provide. And I always saw what our family was like and where we struggled and sort of had this this internal feeling that I just wanted a little bit more. I, I wanted my children to not have some of the same struggles that that, that we had, although yeah. although it helped shape who, who I am today. Sure, yeah. But I just thought if we can if if I can learn a little bit more about how business works and where I might fit in all of that, it, it would serve me well. And so that led me to, to my undergraduate and then to graduate school and, and so on. And it's been kind of history since then. History since then. Wow. So, yeah, that's, in, uh, you know, I think as you were talking about businesses and your, what, what attracted you, attracted you to that was we don't realize they're actually supporting people to have a family yeah. and to be able to provide yeah. I think we miss that. I know I do. For sure. Right? But yeah. yet that's really ultimately you think of these big corporations instead of going, "Oh yeah, we're this or this or that." Well, think about how many families they're allowing yeah. to live their lives. Yeah. I mean, it's a, it really changes the way you look at it. And so when you said yeah. that, it really hit me. Yeah, I'm re- I'm really privileged. I've worked for some great companies and there are of course businesses and organizations out there that don't use their profits for good and they have questionable sure. talent and leaders and things. Right. And I look at my experience and, and uh, you know, even now I work for a, a, a tech startup and I have a, a founding team there that are just incredible. The whole team is amazing. And, you know, startups are tough and, and yeah. people are being laid off right now and, and that's hard to watch and close friends that are losing their jobs. And, you know, I'm so grateful for, for my employer. I'm grateful that, uh, you know, he's a childhood friend actually from kindergarten. And oh, you've stayed well connected to your childhood. I, like I that. guess. Yeah. <laughs> you know, we connected after 20 years, but, but him and the rest of the founding team, you know, they, they literally put food on the table for my family and, and we've had significant, uh, you know, accidents in our house that have required, you know, a lot of hospital time and things and, and the insurance I have. And, you know, I think we we villainize a lot of a yeah. lot of people and, yeah. uh, you know, those, those who are running businesses. But I look at these guys that I work with now and they're putting in long hours and they, they, they spend a lot of energy and time away yeah. from their families to ensure right. that all the rest of us have good things. And that's always been sort of an inspiration of, I hope I can get to a place someday where I, where I do that on my own and have an opportunity to make a difference like that. Yeah, no, I love that. Um, well said. So what does your company do exactly? Do you mind sharing that with yeah, us? Yeah, yeah. So so Pronto is a, a technology, a communications platform for higher education. So if you if you think of some of the tools, iMessage, Zoom, Slack, if you were to sort of marry those, uh, we we have done that, and then we work specifically in in education. So uh, universities, colleges. So we have you know Harvard, Oxford. Uh, some at BYU, we have great institutions that run on on Pronto, and it connects students uh, to them to to their peers and also to their professors. And okay. I think the one thing we've learned is that uh, education is not so much the way it used to be, where you uh, you know you work on your homework at night and you are independent and uh, you go to the sit in the classroom. You know, we've built a tool recognizing that most people are not in the classroom. Uh, that people feel that sense of isolation and loneliness. And, and if we can build those relationships with students, between students and with their faculty, where they can engage in real time instead of send an email out to somebody oh, and hope yeah. that it gets answered right. in a week or something. And so it's a really neat tool that's making a difference in education. Uh, we've, we've helped hundreds of thousands of students stay in school and graduate, Dang, which is awesome. a really yeah. neat thing. We've that's done some huge. neat studies there. So it's been just an incredible experience. Wow. And, yeah, and how company. long have you been there? I've been there three years now, okay. uh, and and then I was with other technology companies, ZocDoc, ZipRecruiter, and some others before that, uh, doing operations stuff. So, love seeing how they work and, yeah. and where we can uh, make cool. adjustments. So, well, it's you know, ch- as challenging as a startup is, it's also very exciting. It is right for sure because you get to create. You, you, it's uh, it's new. What's what's going to happen next? Yeah, there's some excitement to it. Would you agree with that? Absolutely. I, I think that uh, it's not for everybody. That's what I've learned. You know, there I, you know, I have good friends and, and right. peers and people I admire that are not in this space. And I think, uh, you know, this might not be the right fit for you. Uh, it, it's long hours and it's unscripted and everybody does everything. And there are times where you feel like things are going so great. And there are other times where you think, 
man, I like, I don't know how long you can do this. And so, uh, again, thankfully the founders that we have at Pronto, they, they came on and have put in just endless hours to get us to a place where we're doing good and we, we don't have quite as much stress, but it's, uh, it's not like we've been around forever and, uh, don't have yeah. things to worry about. No, that's awesome. Yeah. Well, you know, you said something that you sent to me that really stood out to me, and I want to hear your thoughts on this, yeah. and it'll probably stem a good conversation here, obviously. It says, you mastered the art of gleaning wisdom from adversity. Yeah. I love that, by the way, and I've got my own take on that, but I want to hear yours first oh, and where that comes from and why you would even say that. Yeah, and and we'd probably all benefit from your thoughts more than mine. I but, don't know about that. Uh, <laughs> so, you know, we... We grew up, my wife and I have been married now 18, coming up on 19 years, and we've known each other, like I said, for, for much longer than that. Yeah. And, you know, I remember just a, a few years back thinking that my life was pretty easy. You know, I, I, I didn't have a lot of difficulty, um, illnesses and, and other things, uh, didn't struggle with, say, addictions or things like that. Mm -hmm. And I, I remember yeah. thinking like, okay, we've... We're doing, we're doing all right. You yeah. know, life, life's working yeah, out. Yeah, life's going in a good direction. Uh, and you know, the, the devil always gets his due, right? And and so I think um, it was just a, just a, a few short years ago, we did move into a house. We had a house fire. I didn't lose the whole house, thankfully. Um, two of our kids were inside at the moment and Whoa. thankfully got out. We, we actually pulled up as it was on fire. So it was uh, during the day. During the day on yeah. a Saturday, I put a mirror yeah. outside and it reflected. It was in Phoenix and, and caught the house on fire. Which the, is, are you kidding yeah, me? Yeah. So the reflection from the sun? <laughs> caught the garbage cans and the garbage cans <laughs> caught the house. And so, no way. You know, yeah. I laugh because my brother used to live in Cave Creek, Arizona. And he would send Lovely me pictures. He would send me pictures in the middle of the summer of the temperature in his car. One twenty-five. Yeah, it's unbelievable. And he had black leather uh, oh. seats. I'm going, dude. You're totally yeah, strange. He's like, risky. tell me about it. Yeah, risky. he goes, this is miserable. Yeah. So yeah, so that's why I laughed. It's like Arizona's heat's no joke. Yeah, and and, <laughs> and I couldn't. I I mean, my wife knows I am the least masculine man ever. I couldn't build a fire like ever. And and then I cut my cut my house on fire with a mirror. So I feel like I'm pretty like I'm doing really well. See now it you know. Me up a few notches. Just take on the a scale. mirror with you. Yeah, yeah. Take take a mirror anywhere I need to go. Uh, so we, we had that's that and, and you know, that's a longer story, but um, the, the bigger issue I think that came from that or the, the bigger struggle uh -huh. was my wife just a few days after the fire woke up in the middle of the night hearing the doorbell that we had that we had on that house. She sure. had rung the doorbell trying to get the attention of our kids. We had left the keys in the car oh. and all of our chaos yeah, yeah. and right. um, and she woke up hearing that chime and, uh, and that persisted for quite a while and uh, led to some other complications. And this was in, yeah. in the middle of COVID. We couldn't get a therapist to visit oh, us, boy, uh, yeah. to see us. We couldn't, we had referrals all over the place and people were saying, I, we can meet in February, we can meet in April. And I'm thinking, I can't go six months with this, you know, and, uh, and she surely couldn't, couldn't do another six months of it. And so we, we worked through that and, uh, we decided we would move back to Utah. We had no family in Arizona. So we thought we'll come back around family and get some support. My parents were here, uh, my siblings, her siblings, um, and we packed up, and the day before we moved back, my mom died suddenly of, uh, of brain cancer. Which the she, day you moved back? Yeah, the day before we moved wow. back. And so wow. um, she she had been in remission, and we thought everything was, was good well, there. Okay, and, yeah. and then there were some complications. I had visited her with her that morning on mm. the phone, and she was doing relatively well. Sure. And then the next thing I know, I got a call from her brother wow. saying she was in the hospital. This was at around lunchtime or so. And I said, but I just talked to her, you know, this morning and yeah. uh, she's doing, she's doing fine. And he said, no, it's life ending. And I said, wait, well, hold on a minute. What are we, what are we talking about? Man. Uh, so I left right then. My wife's parents drove down, helped drive the moving truck up uh, and came up and tried to be with the family. I watched her pass away on FaceTime, which was a, a pretty crappy way to watch a yeah, parent pass. Yeah, I can't even you know? imagine, yeah. Um, all my siblings were able to make it to the hospital, so thankfully she was there with, with people, and my yeah, dad was there sure. with people that, that uh I'm sorry to loved. hear that. Yeah, it was, it was tough, and we've all dealt with loss, right? And yeah, so yeah. there's no good way to deal yeah, with it. Um, right. But my mom was my hero. You know, she, she recognized the things in me that I didn't see, and... Yeah. Uh, was always there taking care of me and providing for me. And uh, I remember she, she spent hundreds of dollars. My dad would throw a fit if he knew this, but she threw, she spent hundreds of dollars. <laughs> he's going to know now. Yeah. Right. He's going to know when, when he's, when he hears this. Um, 
but she spent some money on all this soccer gear for me and i was taught i was the worst soccer player of all time i mean i was like i knew there was not a chance under the sun that i was going right. to go anywhere with it uh, but she went she made sure that i had that stuff and and i had the chance for the last six months before she passed i'd call her a couple times a week and we would ask i'd ask her questions that i just had never had the chance to ask. Yeah, yeah. One of those was, you know, I know we struggled financially, but you seem to always make it a priority for us to have things like this, uh, like this soccer gear. And and she she just said, you know, if if there was anything that would help build our confidence, then she would do whatever it took to, to make sure. sure we had that. So yeah, we'd go to Seven Eleven. She'd she'd fill up her car with gas and buy a Slurpee, and then she'd do. This is back when people used checks, and she would always go up and say, "Can I write the check for twenty dollars over?" Yeah. So my dad wouldn't find out that it was being you know money spent. <laughs> it would just look like gasoline. Yeah, right. Uh, and so, anyways, but that's so, awesome. Yeah, it, it, that was a hard experience to to lose her. Uh, Boy, I bet. What um, I know this is going to be a tough question, but what were, what's one of the biggest lessons that you learned from your mom? Well, my, you know, I look back and, and I think there's two things. Uh, one, one is that our role as individuals is to love unconditionally. Mm-hmm. And that is really hard. Like if we, if we really step back and objectively think about that, that's right. really tough. The amount sure. of judgment that, that right. I know I have toward other people, right. um, even when I'm trying not to, makes it really tough to love people. And my mom, anybody who knew her, uh, we had kids at our house all the time, you know, all, all of our, my siblings and their friends would be over because everybody loved her. She was always made people feel special. Uh, and I think that was, that was the thing that, that set her apart from anybody else. We didn't have a lot, but you always knew you were going to get a, uh, a warm hug from, from my mom. And, uh, she was always there to, to, uh, lift you up and invest yeah. in you and make you feel like somebody special. And, uh, and so I think, you know, for me, as I look back and try to live through her or at least help her legacy carry on, it's, I think, man, what can I do to try and lift others? And some days I think I do good at that. And most of the time I probably don't, but you know, yeah. I think we're, as long as we're trying, that's what matters. Yeah. That's beautiful. Thank you for sharing that. Well, you move up here, your mom passes suddenly and, but your wife is struggling. Mm-hmm. So how, how did you navigate that? Because that had to have been even even more difficult for her because she's still got her yeah. struggles. Then watching you go through this, yeah. definitely probably didn't help what she was struggling with. Yeah, she bless her heart. She she is just the most miraculous human being. And anyone who knows her, she's a lot like my mom. You yeah. know, she is just <laughs> so full of energy, and people just really are attracted to to her. And mm-hmm. she had lost a little bit of that, you know, through her struggle. Sure, and and yeah. she knew it, and the rest of us knew it, and. And she'd always been so involved. She took care of so much around the house with the kids and stuff that I had to step in there. And I, you know, that was uh, on top of managing a job and trying to care for her. Then I, I was trying to take care of the kids to some degree. And uh, and and so it was a it was a tough thing all around. Um, thankfully, we uh, the only therapist we were able to to find happened to be here in Highland, uh, and we met with her for the first time when we were here the week before uh, we moved back we were here looking for a home okay. and we got on a zoom call and she said, I'm actually located in Highland, Utah. And we were like, you've got to be kidding me. And so we said, well, we're in, we're in, uh, in the Orem area. And so that was a, that was wonderful. And, yeah, that's... um, and she stumbled upon through this therapist EMDR, mm-hmm. uh, and yep. that was the thing that worked for her. And so EMDR it was is powerful. I knew nothing yeah. about we it. We do that here. Yeah. With our clients. And I have to be honest, I thought it was, hocus pocus yeah a lot of like, people do she told me about it and i was like what are we doing like, what are you <laughs> Who's talking this person? about yeah this is Here, crazy follow, follow my finger yeah here. and and i listening i was like you know i thought this is going to be interesting and then i also thought you have to relive this like you have to unpack this mm-hmm. uh, and yeah. i knew like every time she came home from therapy that this was going to be a long day a long night um there's going to be a lot to work through and but she was unbelievable in in fighting through that and and recognizing where she was and um, and she's done an amazing job and we we have certain things that we're mindful of now you know it's been a, yeah. a few years and uh, we we ensure that our doorbell doesn't function we, we have good friends that that are aware of the the background and so we're cautious in that area we try to screen movies appropriately and make sure there aren't certain mm-hmm. scenes and sure. uh, sounds and things like that. Yeah. And, uh, but she is just amazing and she's yeah. come a long, long way. And that's awesome. And I think that the, the thing that I took away from all of this is, you know, she went through this for a reason 
and it was ugly and hard and we're still not all the way through and we have a lot to figure out. Uh, but as we, as we worked through the passing of my mom and then just a few weeks later, the near passing of our son, I don't think I could have made it without my wife being in the place that she was. Uh, And so I, I, I hate to say that we are, that we, that we are grateful for it. You know, it's tough, but she's, she's been amazing. I actually totally agree with that. And cause I believe life happens for us. Yeah. I really do. Like I took a drink of alcohol when I was 11 years old. Hmm. That's why I'm talking to you today. I shouldn't be here. I should have died. Not not at 11, but that opened up, you know, 10 yeah. years of addiction. Shouldn't be here. But be, but because of that, I get to talk to you today, Taylor. Yeah. I'm grateful for that. I wouldn't change a thing. Was it hard going through it? Absolutely. Yeah. So yeah, I think it's wonderful you're looking at it that way because yeah. it's so powerful. Yeah, and it's easy to look at it the other way, right? Easy. And so yes. you know, I look I look back and it's hard the, to look at the other way. I think one of the things that really changed my perspective uh, and it's sort of cliche, so so bear with me, but yeah. uh, Steve Jobs gave a commencement speech at, at Stanford. I know what right? you're gonna say. I love and, it. And and he ended that as he as he spoke about, you know, we can't connect the dots looking forward. We can only connect them looking backwards. And I've yeah. I have so often reflected on that, shared that with my own children or others that are going through things that, you know, sometimes it just doesn't make sense. And I look at the battles we had with, a like he put a mirror outside and it led to his wife's PTSD diagnosis. Like what in the world? And, yeah. and I think that's just crazy. And now I look back and I go, it's amazing how these dots have connected. And, and yeah. we're now here, here in Utah, I'm sitting here with you. <laughs> I have a great group of guys and, and girls yeah. that I work with great yeah. neighborhood you know it's just amazing how it all comes together yeah, but I, it's ugly during the process for sure it is and, and again it's hard to see that when you're actually going through it just yeah. again like what steve jobs is saying you can look back and go oh yeah that led to this that led to that and here i am today yeah hmm, well now i'm grateful for if that. we could only have those dots connect a little faster i know right? can you connect those a little faster yeah well so what happened you you said you almost lost your son as well do you mind sharing a little bit more about that or yeah yeah if and, that's and, okay yeah yeah and we're still processing this um and whatever you're comfortable with sharing. yeah no it's it's good to it's good to unpack uh my wife just just recently we sat down and she she pointed out that i probably need to to work through a few things but we had um we had bought my son a mountain bike for christmas oh, okay uh, and again if you look at my hands there's not much masculine about them but but we <laughs> but mountain biking i thought would be a great idea right so we bought some yeah. mountain bikes and <laughs> Uh, we went out on the 26th of December. Uh, he and I drove over to Eagle Mountain Bike Park, and over there they have some little ramps. They have jumps, and then they have a little wooden la- little wooden uh, ramps that you can you can ride on. And uh, and we kind of thought it'd be cool to ride one of these ramps. And so he said, "You go first, and I went first. And then uh, I turned around. I parked at the end of the ramp where it comes down. It was kind of an S S curve ramp. Okay. Uh-huh. And I said, "All right, you go for it." And my last words were "full send it," which is sort of what he would always say. Yeah, said, full send it, full Dad. Send. And so, so I, I yelled to him, and he went, and he made it until about two or three feet before the end, and he he went off the side, and I jumped for him to try and catch him. I missed, uh, and he he went over the handlebars and landed in the snow mud and in into a bush, and the sound it sounded different. You know, it, mm. I could hear something that. It just yeah. was really audible. Oh boy! And he had a helmet on, and and he rolled over and he sat up and he was just looking at this bush. And you know it's cold. There's nobody else out there but us. Yeah. We're up on the mountainside just a bit, and so I hopped off and I went over and I just grabbed him. I sat behind him and I held his head, pulled him back onto my chest, and and we sat there for another twenty or thirty minutes. I, I couldn't get him to talk. He was just looking, and, and mm. I thought, man, something is something is wrong. Right. You know? Yeah. And, uh, um, and so you know, shame on me. I, I didn't pull out my phone. I, I, I don't remember if it was in the car or, or if I just thought he'd get better. Yeah. Um, right. Yeah. But we, uh, we sat there for a moment and we had a few people walk by. Nobody stopped, which was, which was disheartening. Yeah. I remember. Sure, sure. So I, after a little while he started to move and I realized, okay, I think I can get him, get him down to the car. So I, I picked him up and we carried him down. I ran back up, got the bikes, uh, I called my wife on the way home. I said, Hey, Bentley, Bentley, uh, had an accident on his bike. And I said, I don't know if something's wrong, but he seems a little, something seems, seems off. And we took him home. I, I carried him in, put him on the couch and 
he was thirsty, wanting water, and and then he started asking if he could sit down. And I realized in that moment, like, wait a minute, he's already sitting down on the couch. Something's something's wrong. So mm. we took him to uh, the Instacare here and uh, knew he had broke, he had hurt a shoulder or like his arm was hurting him. And uh, so we went in and thankfully, when we took him back, they took him in on a wheelchair. Um, the doctor said, hey, something looks something looks wrong. And he wasn't bleeding. There's was no blood anywhere. And uh, so the doctor looked at his arm first, reset his shoulder, which had been dislocated. Oh, and uh, he said, I don't, I think something else is going on and we're not, we're not equipped to handle, handle this. So he was moved to uh, Mountain Point Hospital uh, where we took him in. He immediately, immediately went in for imaging. And I, because of COVID, I was back in the room. My wife went with him to imaging. Oh, okay. Uh, they brought him back and I remember they wheeled back behind him a full cooler of blood, pints of blood. And I remember thinking like, what in the world? What yeah, is what's this, going this on? is bizarre. Yeah, he just right. went for imaging and now, yeah. and there's a look on my wife's face that wasn't, wasn't great. Mm. And they brought out a document and said, we need you to sign this acknowledging that you, that he can have transfusions. Uh, he's bleeding inside and we've got some, some problems. And I said, well, what are we talking about? You know, yeah, what's going on? Uh, they said, we need to prep him for life flight to primaries where he's going to go. And so, it turns out he had, when he had uh, fallen, the handlebars had turned and he had taken the handlebar through his liver. And so it cut his liver entirely in half. And so what? it was a grade five, which is the most severe laceration of a liver you can have. It was right through the, the trunk of the, the liver, which looks like a tree. And so it literally just cut the tree right in half. And um, and then he had a traumatic brain injury. He was bleeding on his brain and his elbow was broken. So we, uh, we wow. started to realize, you know, COVID, they put him on the helicopter. We couldn't go in the helicopter. They took him up. We drove on a snowy night up there and, uh, we spent the next month, uh, in primaries with them. And, no way. uh, wow. it was an ugly, just a sure. really ugly, unfortunate. And you had no idea the handlebars had gone through no, his stomach. No, no, ax no, no indication that there was anything wrong Gosh. looking back and yeah, hearing the sure. sound i should have you know but i didn't know i didn't even know what a liver was i'm like you no, know no, yeah. cool well, a body part well again you know? like we said before we went on air we're all doing our best yeah you were doing your best with what you knew and you just yeah you know we do that every time our kids are we're assessing and we're like okay we're not doctors okay i think everything's okay yeah and let's go back home and maybe you just need to rest and yeah I think anyone listening to this would have done the exact, I would have done the exact same thing. Yeah, you just hope he'll bounce back. I'm not back. sitting there thinking, well, especially if there was no blood. Yeah. Was, well, I wouldn't assume, well, maybe his liver was severed in half. Yeah. You and, know. You know, and it was such a bizarre experience. We, we, we get up there and um, we we arrived and we were met, they have a social worker that comes and meets you when things are, are yeah. severe, right? Sure, and, yeah. Uh, and they took us back and. I remember they, they, they have these big glass doors that open where he's having surgery and uh, they, they open up and he's laying on this table and they had 20 doctors, nurses, and was, the room was just packed and he had no clothes on. He was just laying there. And I remember realizing that moment, like, okay, like this is, this is severe, right? This, this is a little is more serious. extreme. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, they moved him, you know, after they stabilized him. So they, they put him in a, into an indu induced coma uh, where he stayed and uh, moved him to the traumatic brain injury floor and, um, and they, they open him from chest down to four or five inches below his belly button. Damn. And he stayed that way for the next four or five days, stayed open because they were trying to pack it and, and then unpack yeah. uh, from the bleeding. And, sure. um, yeah. and so we could go in and see him, but he obviously wasn't, wasn't there. And, um, uh, you know, we had the whole experience of sort of saying goodbye and, and not being sure of what the future was. And we were getting you know, different messages. They weren't sure what to do and how to fix it. And, um, and then it was just a, it was a, a process to work through. And, uh, even today he's, he's had four, three or four, uh, emergency surgeries since then, uh, from scar tissue that's closing off parts of his different organs and his intestines. And, yeah, yeah. Uh, in fact, as of, as we speak right now, he's, uh, he, uh, had the morning off cause he's, he calls it his liver pain. And he's <laughs> just, he doubles over. And so we, oh, okay. Fingers crossed we won't be back there. Uh, sure. We've made it a year since his last surgery. Oh, really? Uh, and so we're grateful. That is amazing. That, uh, yeah. that it's been that far, but we well, feel like we're trending and uh, trending. Well, right thanks for sharing that. I know that's not easy to talk about, so thank you for yeah. being willing to share that. And again, 
you know, that's why when, when, when I saw, you know, that, you know, you've mastered the art of gleaning wisdom from adversity, that really stood out to me. And, and obviously when you see a loved one, especially one of your children. Yeah. The one right? you're supposed to protect, right? Yeah. You know, yeah. and, but again, it could happen to any of us. Right. And I, we won't process it here on the, on this podcast, but, yeah. but thank you for sharing. And, and yeah, you may not be able to connect the, the dots fully around this yet, but you yeah. will, right. You'll be able to look back and go, man, that led to this and this led to that. And yeah, you know, it'll be one of those amazing experiences to be able to see it that way. I, I'm, I'm sure it will. I hope it will. You know, we, yeah. we, uh, we went on a drive just a few weeks ago and, uh, Bentley said, Hey, can we go stop by the bike park? We haven't been back uh, since then. And, and my wife said, yeah, we'll, we'll do it and we'll go. And I just, you know, I couldn't even get out of the car. I just sat there really? and sobbed for 40 minutes while, oh, man. uh, while they were up there and, you know, and, and my wife, uh, you know, she bless her heart. She just said, you know, even this morning said, I, you know, you have some things to process and some things to work through and yeah. some guilt. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of embarrassment that I, uh, didn't catch him right. That I wasn't there, that I didn't protect him the way I should have. And, um, and you know, you hear all of the answers, right? Like, Oh, it would have happened to anyone and it's not your fault. And, and I understand, you know, I, I understand yeah. sure. generally those, those comments, but you know, as a father and protector, it feels like a really big failure and to look at the consequences yeah. of that, that continue, yeah. Uh, it's just, it's, it's heartbreaking and tough to, tough to work through, but he's alive. And, and I look at my wife and what she was able to accomplish through all of this. Uh, I was a mess and she was just so stalwart and strong. And, and I look at her battles and think, man, these dots connected. Right. And she right. she's there to, she's yeah. just been there for, for every, every little thing. You know, I often say to my clients, adversity is the wake up call to your greatness. Oh yeah. Love it. And I really, that's what's happening. It's like, it's, it's refining you guys. It's, it's purifying you, if you will. It's, yeah. it's exposing you to the reality of how great you guys really are. Yeah. And I'm, I really am of the belief and there's so much proof that people are just astonishing. Amazing. Right? Yeah. But, but if that's true, so are you, Taylor. Yeah. You're astonishing. Wow. I mean, th seriously, like, and I don't say that lightly. Like, I really, truly believe that to my core. You know, just listening to you and sitting here with you. I mean, I, I meet with people all day long. I've been doing this for 30-something years. I can read people really well. I can I can feel energy. I can feel, I can tell when someone's lying typically and, and when someone's not being authentic or genuine and this and that. And Dude, I, I just, I know you're a good person. Wow, thank you. It's uh, It's been a journey and... You know, it's helped. It it's really helped me to understand that we're all going through different things. And yeah. I look at people that we were in the hospital with who weren't able to go home with their children, and uh, you know, the, the the woman who randomly folded our underwear in the hospital, <laughs> who left it neatly right. folded on a dryer when we were struggling. It was like those little gestures that that people have, that goodness they have, and you know, shame on me for being so selfish for so long and not seeing that, uh, but these experiences, they, they change us and they give us a new view. And I look at where I'm at now and I, I'm, I tend to be pretty open about my mental health and mm -hmm. uh, my anxiety and the, the worry, even, even at times like right now where my son is dealing with this pain in his stomach and I'm processing like, okay, we're going to go back and he's going to have to be cut open again. And he's going to have to go through all of this. And what's that going to do to our family? And <clears throat> my daughters are going to be, you know, alone for a little while while we're back up there. It's just, you go through so many different emotions, but I've just found that when we can be open uh, and vulnerable mm -hmm. and be willing to share that yeah. it makes us stronger. And uh, I think so many of us, specifically men, we just, we, we feel like we, we have to be the protector and that you can't let that shield down at all. And, yeah. uh, and so we, we just bury these things deep and we don't process. And uh, I've been able to so privileged in the last couple of years to connect with guys that are that are struggling with different things sure. who've been through similar things or different yeah. things. Right? right. And, uh, and we're all in this journey together and trying to yeah. do the best we can. And thanks to people like you who, who are willing to create a place where we can talk about these things and we can express yeah. our gratitude and our learnings and build mm -hmm. relationships. Cause before that, you know, I think if this would have happened 20 years ago, uh, man, I, yeah. I would have just been in a totally different place. Yeah, it, it really is good that we have, you know, communities and groups and these kind of platforms yeah. like podcasts and stuff where we can, we can get vulnerable. Yeah. 
and 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 actually vulnerability is a strength it's not a weakness whereas we once maybe thought of it the other way so you true. know what i've learned um is that when vulnerability goes up happiness goes up when vulnerability goes down happiness goes down yeah but it's scary a little bit to be vulnerable it is like to put your heart out there because some people might take it the wrong way or they might not see it the way you did or maybe mm -hmm. your expectations, well, I was vulnerable. Why did they react that way? Yeah. And then we go, well, maybe I won't be vulnerable again. So to hear you today even, I mean, get vulnerable on here. I mean, I feel more connected to you because of the vulnerability. Yeah, isn't that the amazing part? It's amazing. Right? Like, like I almost feel like I've known you my whole yeah. life. We're yeah. just sitting here and we're having just a, a vulnerable chat. Yeah. And But I feel like I know you. And what's so interesting is that right? every time you do that, every time you visit with somebody, uh, I've never had an experience where I've walked away feeling worse. Right. And, and I go, man, like, why aren't we all just talking about this, <laughs> right? And being vulnerable doesn't mean you're weak, yeah. right? It's a, it's, it's a step toward being strong. And, uh, and I think that, thankfully, there are voices now that mm -hmm. are helping people to, to learn sure. that. And we're able to speak up and stand up. And mm -hmm. you know, I think going back to business, we have great companies that are willing to acknowledge that their people are struggling, that they might need time, and that they're, mm -hmm. they're working through things in their own lives. And so the climate is really ripe, I think, for, for this type of conversation. Yeah. It's been and, you know, and vulnerability, too, to stay on that for a minute, is the best way to connect with someone. Yeah. I mean, think about it. That's how relationships are built. We meet someone for the first time, and we might say, like, hey, what's your favorite food? Oh, it's pizza. Oh, so is mine. Yeah. And it's a simple little question, but yet that's a little bit of vulnerability. And then it's like, oh, it was safe to talk to Taylor about that. Ooh, I might share this. And then you respond this way, and then you share something with me. Yeah. And slowly it becomes, but we got right to it with some heavy stuff, <laughs> yeah. right? We Jumped got right, right there. Hey, but, why not? But again, we connected, you know? Yeah. And connection is powerful. We're never more fully alive than when we're connected. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Right? Yeah. It's 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 an amazing tool that that I think serves us well and makes brings about a lot of change yeah. when we can when we can build those connections and those relationships. Yeah. And I, I found that, you know, there's no better uh, there's no better learning than than being open with someone because those people help you understand that sometimes you're so wrapped up in your story that you can't really tell what's accurate and what's not, what's truth, what's a <laughs> right, lie. Right, yeah. Uh, and, and sometimes just unpacking things for people, mm -hmm. uh, a good friend, a spouse, yeah. a family member, for sure. uh, you know, can really do do a lot of good. And yeah. I still have a long way to go, uh, you know, mm -hmm. thinking about the uh, some of the more recent experiences. Do, do you remember Mr. Rogers, oh. right, back in the day, growing yeah. up with Mr. Rogers? And, you know, I saw the documentary and the movie, mm -hmm. maybe you did too, but... He said something that I thought was so profound. He says, if you can mention it, you can manage it. Yeah. yeah. And I love that. It's true. If you can mention these things to yeah. someone, like you said, a trusted person, you can start to manage it. You can start yeah. to get through it. You can start processing it. You can start yeah. eventually being at peace with it. And when you're at peace with it, that's when you can connect the dots. Man, look at that. And he all, you know, I, it's funny you bring up Mr. Rogers, one of my favorite quotes from him. We're going back to our childhood, yeah, right you know, it was back yeah. to the good old days. And, uh, but you know, there's that famous, famous quote and I'll, I'll butcher it, but the, 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 the summary yeah. is that, you know, when, when things are really difficult, you can always look for the, the helpers. There are always people helping. Right. Yeah, and, the the, helpers. and I think that, yeah. that, you know, people like you and others, there's so many good people willing to help. The yeah. issue is whether or not I think we're willing to open up and I'm still yeah. learning how to do this, um, yeah. and, and have a long way to go. But people are people are amazing. Yeah. Like, truly, people are just amazing, and their experiences that they go through, just like mine, have connected the dots and put them in a place where they can help me and they can help others. And and yeah. I hope that you know my own story helps in some way, uh, with the full giant disclosure that there's a lot to be written still, and that For I sure. haven't I haven't yeah. really processed things. You yeah. know, I don't think we're I'm I'm out of anything yet. So, well, this is a good step. Yeah, in the right direction. One step forward, right? right? So what, what are uh, any future plans? Do you have anything big on the horizon that you've been thinking of or wanting to do, whether it's in a, on the business side of things or if it's with your family? Yeah, we, you know, my mind is always moving. <laughs> I, you know, I am like one of those serial thinkers that, uh, that always has some, some ideas on the, on the horizon. Uh -huh. Um, you know, I have a lot of admiration for founders, uh, and, and what they do. And I look at, 
the founders we have now at, at Pronto and those that I've worked with before. And I, I think it's a really admirable thing. And so there's there, I think all the time about like, what's, what's ahead and what, what am I, what am I looking at? Uh, my wife and I, we've been, been kind of thinking through, uh, different ideas around, uh, things that we're passionate about. One of those being, how do we yeah. help the youth of today uh, yeah. to connect with their parents? Okay. Uh, we have a very probably too open of a relationship with our kids. Uh, we talk openly. We are very protective of the devices they have and their yeah. access to pornography and in the internet and things. Sure. Recognizing we can't block them from everything. Sure. Uh, but, but we can teach them how to engage with those things healthy in a love, healthy way. I love that. Uh, we look at some of the, the youth that are struggling that we know. And uh, so many of those youth are struggling because the relationship between them and their parents has broken down that dialogue and that discussion we try to meet with our kids try being the key word every every week or every two weeks on sundays and we meet one-on-one -on -one. we try to visit and engage and talk about the uncomfortable things the hard things and good for you so we're thinking about things there and what more can cool. we do and uh but but more importantly i think you know uh my kids are are my kids are growing you know and i read a statistic years ago and i have been I've tried to find it. And so this could be totally wrong. So forgive me <laughs> if someone fact check, fact checks yeah, this. Right. Um, but, but it said something to the effect of by the, by the age of 12, your children have spent 80% of the time they'll ever spend with you. And that's an alarming statistic, right? Yeah, that uh, And makes sense, right? Yeah. I look at my 15, 16 year old, soon to be 16 year old. And you know, he's, he's with friends, he's in football and my daughter's in cheer and they're always gone and always away and always busy. And then they get married and you get them once a week, once every few weeks for a dinner, you know, and, and that's if they stay in the same if state, they, stay, right? they might move somewhere else. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. you know, the one thing I've been so <laughs> grateful for in our marriage and in our family is my wife is my best friend and nice. we have so much fun as a family that the more we can do together, the better. And so we do all of our trips together. We spend a lot of time together. It's a very loud household. Uh, but when I think about what's on the horizon and what I'm interested in, I really hope that that I can maximize the next few years because uh, my son will be gone soon. Yeah, and, uh, no, I hear you. And and then you know by that time I think okay, three more years before he before he leaves and ventures out. You know before he's 18. And so. Yeah. Uh, I'll be 43 and I have my whole life ahead of me to, to repurpose into sure. businesses and other exactly. things. And yeah. uh, right now I, I have an opportunity to be with kids and that's, awesome. uh, and that's what I, that's what I try to prioritize. I so. love it. I love it. Now, are you only on LinkedIn? I am. I would, that I really, that really stood out to me. And I actually, if I think the reason why <laughs> I'm assuming, but I love that. And I want to, just if you could quickly tell us why are you only on LinkedIn? Because a lot of people say, well, why are you on the other platforms? Yeah. But yeah. I think it's great. My wife and I are only, well, my wife's not even on LinkedIn. On LinkedIn. I think she has a, I think she has an account maybe, <laughs> but uh, she's not on any social media. Uh, and um, so I think there's a couple of things. Um, and the, the first being, and, and I, I say this cautiously, so if I can, if I can just put that disclaimer, that's okay. This is cautious. Everyone write it down. I have, I have yet to meet someone who has been thrilled that they are on social media. <laughs> and that's not to say there's not good because there are, you know, there are amazing uh, people doing amazing yeah, things. I know. Yeah. But I think Love generally it. speaking, um, or maybe setting that aside and just talking about myself specifically, I think there are a couple of things that have really been problematic for me. Um, one is, uh, a sense of inadequacy, mm. uh, a sense yeah. that I'm not keeping up, that yeah. that as a father and as a husband, that I'm not providing uh, mm. what I should for my wife and kids. And that's been something, that's been an internal battle for me. I know that not all men and women are that way. And, yeah. and so that may not be an issue for some. Uh, and I found that it, I'm just, be, so that's kind of the first thing. I'm just better off without it. I'm yeah. better off comparing myself to who I was yesterday, not to who someone else is today. Sure. Uh, and, and so there, there's that the other, the other one, and really what the catalyst was, was I had an Instagram account 10 years ago and I started to get wrapped up in pornography and, and, mm. uh, you know, it's interesting to think about pornography on Instagram, right? Like, right. oh, is that, you know, it's not that that's not possible. That's not happening. And, you know, it's a different form. And sure. you know, I started to, to have feelings and start to get a, a, attracted to, to 
that sensation and and mm-hmm. what that was providing me mm-hmm. um and that was dangerous for for me and you know i hurt my wife through that and yeah it's one of the hardest things for me to look back at was the pain i caused her as a wife uh the feeling that she wasn't good enough that that i had a longing for something else which was entirely false but my actions didn't show that and uh, and so i learned through that moment that whether it's instagram whether it's uh, a magazine whether it's a billboard a dvd you know which back in the day dvds uh, something (laughs) that streams on netflix or youtube tv um, that pornography is a killer and uh, i was at a place thankfully where uh, it hadn't become too deep that when I realized how much damage I had done and the relationships that I had hurt, um, and I realized the consequence of that, if I didn't get things right, uh, I was going to be in a much different place a few years down the road. Yeah, wow. And thankfully, I had an amazing wife who, despite being hurt, uh, and it took her some time, you know, it took sure. her some time to process and to yeah. come back to me. Um, you know, she did what I think any reasonable person would do by saying, hey, uh, you need to get this in check or else, right? Like yeah, there, sure. there's going to be consequences to that. And that For wasn't sure. a threat. That was reality. Yeah. And that was a heavy weight to to carry for a while. Yeah. Uh, she eventually came back to me and she said, hey, and this was the most meaningful thing she's ever done in our relationship. She came back and we were having dinner and she said, uh, I, I I shared with you a while back that you get this fixed or, or else. And she apologized and she said, I, I think that was the wrong approach. Uh, and she said, I want you to know that like, I'm here to help and I'm here to support you. Wow. I'm not happy with your decisions. And sure. They hurt and they cut right. really deep, but I don't want you feeling like you're going to lose everything if you make a mistake. And I had been good for a couple of years, good in the sense that I hadn't fallen back into that, Sure, yeah. but it was out of fear. And it's amazing what, type of behavioral change can come when you're empowered or you're, you're supported to do better, right. not because of fear. And from that moment, I just said, you know what? My responsibility and obligation is to, is to protect myself from things that I'm tempted by. Yeah. And for me, and I think for many men, if we're honest with ourselves, pornography is one of those things for our youth, our teenage boys, our teenage girls. Yeah. Um, and you know, I've taken some flack for this a little bit. People who've been like, oh, you know, you just got to be stronger. I can't believe that. Like, I think we need to be honest with ourselves. And for me, being on a platform where I can see people that appear to be better than me, or I see women that are willing to reveal certain things, that's not a healthy place for me. And I'm not better because of it. And so I stepped back and said, the most important thing to me uh, is and should be my wife and children, and if I if I don't want to risk losing that or making a mistake, uh, then I need to put up some barriers uh, yeah. and and put up some boundaries. and And I've been off since then. Oh, and that's awesome. you know, I know there are good things that I miss for sure, and um, and so that's not to say that all social media is bad. And other right. people are more disciplined than I am, right. and so I think that there's a case for that. Well, you did what was best for you. Uh, I did what was best for me to ensure yeah. that what was best for my wife and kids was sure. there. And uh, in an ideal world, I would be so strong and capable that that wouldn't be a temptation, but it wasn't and, and or it's not. And so I, I put up the boundaries and try to focus on what I can control and avoid the things that I know are going to cause me heartache or cause someone else heartache in the long run. And um, And so hopefully that's the right thing. You know, I think looking at it now none of my kids are on social media and none of them have asked for it and so for a 15 16 year old i'm really pleased i'm happy that that we've sort of established what was right for our family and i hope that that serves well in the long run you know uh, there's yeah. always the the, the yeah. naysayers who will be like well they're going to get out of the real world and it's going to just blow up because they're going to have endless access to this and that might be true uh but i hope that we've taught them a healthy relationship yeah. and, uh with with technology and and we've talked openly with our kids about pornography and my struggles yeah. and uh you know that that what my daughter should think and how they should respect themselves and what to do when young boys 
pursue something. We've taught my son the same thing about how to how to behave and the consequences of pornography on a relationship and uh, the long-term effect of that, which is something I think we miss a lot when we're talking to our kids. Yeah. It's the long-term effect of this. We tend to, I think most people tend to approach it as a faith-based discussion, which I think is fine. But I think the, the better thing is is to really help our kids understand the long-term effect of alcohol or drugs For or sure. the 10 years down the yeah. road with pornography and what that looks like. Well, well said. So I don't know if it's well, right or wrong, Todd. I could be totally wrong. No, in a few I think years, I think most people listening to this would go, you know, that makes a lot of sense, you know, yeah. and and um, I respect that you do that and that you put yourself through that and that you're willing to go, you know what, this isn't serving me. Mm-hmm. And I love what you said. I have to be honest with myself. Yeah. So anyone listening to this, just be honest with yourself. Yeah. And that's not always easy it's to do. It's uncomfortable. It's uncomfortable, right? <laughs> yeah. Totally. Yeah. So well said. Wow, man, you, you're just very well spoken, Taylor. Thank you for Thanks sharing for that. Um, if there's someone listening to your voice right now and they're in a bad place, they're struggling, they're in a dark place, not sure how to get out of wherever they're at, but they're hearing, they're listening mm-hmm. to you right now, what would you tell that one person right now? You know, I, I think that um, I've always joked that if I could get a billboard along I-15... I would ride on it. It's okay. Nobody else has it figured out either. Uh, and right? I think that, you know, I, I, I hope that people who are in a dark place where I've surely been, and I know others are, it's okay. And uh, we're all trying to do the best we can. And that dark place, if you continue on, will get better. Uh, the stories that we tell ourselves aren't always the honest ones. And I think the challenge for people who are in a dark place. And I look back at my own experience when I was in a dark place, I couldn't, I couldn't get myself out of it. I couldn't get my thoughts clear enough to help me get out of that again. And it wasn't until I realized that, that there are amazing people who will listen, who won't pass judgment, who will help. And these aren't just therapists, right? These are friends and loved ones. Sure. And I learned that I'm not alone through that. I learned to rely on people and let people help and lift, which was always uncomfortable for me. And so I think I would just encourage people to to step back and as, as best you can, step out of your situation, realize that not everybody has it figured out yeah. and that the best thing you can do is find somebody who will be in your corner. And for me, yeah. that was my wife sure. who's been in my corner through really. the ugly times and the good times. Yeah. For others, it might be a parent, a sibling, mm-hmm. a friend, yeah. might be a stranger. Um, but there are amazing people who are willing to support and help, uh, but we have to be willing to talk about our struggles and our battles. And the one thing that's been so interesting through all of my experiences, pornography through dealing with my, my wife and, and some of her struggles and trying to help there through my son and those experiences is every time I've shared something that's personal, that's hard, that's vulnerable, people have come, have really come to my aid Exactly. and there's never been judgment. And I go, man, if people would just be there, you know, I, I just learned yesterday about a, a friend of mine who had a dear friend who committed suicide, I, I think yesterday. Um, and I think we've got to be there. We've, we've got to yeah. do better and we've yeah. got to open up and share our experiences and let people know that they're not alone. And, uh, and so I hope those that might be in, a, in that spot right now that yeah. they understand this is just a season. Yeah. I might be there next week. I might be there next year. Uh, and, and I'll surely be looking to people like you to hopefully help, help lift me out of it. Sure. So, wow. Beautifully said great words for anyone who's struggling and yeah. Wow. This has been fantastic. Thanks for having me. Yeah. It's been so good to have you on here. Like really, truly you're, I mean, the vulnerability you're expressing has been inspiring. Well, it's a, like truly, it, it's a privilege to, to, to be on the podcast. And, you know, I was, I was joking with my wife, as I'm sure everybody who comes on this podcast does. I was, lo- I was looking at the, the people you've had on previously. Uh, and I just think I am like out of my depth here, you know, <laughs> like these just amazing, amazing people. A guy I admire recently, you just had on Nate Randall. Uh, yeah, he and Nate's I, the man. Yeah. We, we love we've, Nate. We've been connected for a little while. And, yeah. He's and amazing. I just think, you know, there are such great people and I, I definitely didn't don't feel like I have as much to add, but I appreciate you having me on and being yeah. willing, willing to, to talk well, through this. It's been helpful for me to, good, to, good. I to hope so. sort of step back and yeah. uh, try to take a step forward and process some things. No. So. Well, you're every, I, I, I often say there's, there's no special people in the world or we're all special. 
Your worth was set the moment you were born. It doesn't fluctuate, doesn't go up or down. It stays the same. We're all the same. Yeah. We're all That's astonishing, like I said earlier. Great way to look. You're up. astonishing, man. Well, I appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for yeah. being on the show. Yeah, happy, happy to come and appreciate yeah. the friendship, man. Awesome. Well, if you want to reach out to Taylor, uh, he's on LinkedIn. I am on LinkedIn. And that's about it. It's the only place. It's the only find place. Yeah, but, yeah. but reach out to him. Check him out. You know, ask him a question. Um, if uh, you have someone who's struggling uh, with anything, uh, just regular life stuff, or if it's heavier stuff, uh, send him a link uh, to this episode to kind of, you know, give him some hope and follow back up with them. This will be one of the best ways to do it. And yeah, this was this was awesome, man. I I feel edified, man. Thank As do you. I. It couldn't have been better, man. Thanks Dang. thanks again for having yeah. me. This is uh, bet, something I won't forget. Well, there you go, folks. Thanks for tuning in. I love you guys as always. Uh, again, thanks to my sponsors. Thanks to Paul Cardall and the beautiful music. I love you for everything, man. And uh, till next time, everyone. Take care.